Amen. Good morning. Welcome home to all of you that are at home. And we're excited about being together today. It's digitally rather than in person, but we're glad that you're here with us. And I love the song that Matt just sang, the band just uh, sung and worshiped to the Lord on There's Nothing That Our God Can't Do. And this morning, I want to start with that before we get into our message today. Uh, we want to start with actual prayer for someone who's going through some stuff, and we're believing that God can heal them and God can help them. And so maybe some of you know Addie Foster. She is a freshman in high school at Pittsburgh High School, but she recently uh, was diagnosed with lupus. And we are one big church family, and we believe in prayer. Um, and so today, real quick, we want to pray for Addie. And so what I want to challenge you to do just to get involved this morning is rather than wherever you're at today just listening to me pray, I want to encourage you to pray with me. And we're going to pray for Addie today that God will touch her, that God will heal her, and that God will be close to her and her family. So let's do that right now before we get into our, our message today. Lord, I thank you for Addie Foster, God. I thank you, Lord, for how you've created her. Father, uh, you are the great physician and Father, we all together, collectively, Lord, are praying for Addie right now. We pray healing over her body. We pray that you would touch her. We pray that you, Lord, you would deliver this lupus from her. Father, we lift up her not only physically but emotionally, Father, right now. We lift up her family to you, Billy and Beth and the rest of their family, Father. And God, we are believing, Father, that you are going to touch her and that you are going to strengthen her and you are going to bring healing to her body. So, Father, we pray that right now in agreement, Father, and touch her in Jesus' powerful name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Well, Addie, if you're watching, God has this. God's got this. And we're praying for you. We're in a series called Be Generous, and we're actually wrapping up that series today. We've been talking about some really important things about stewardship God's given us time, He's given us gifts or talents, and He's given us treasures, resources, all of those things, time, talent, and treasure, all those things make up our resources. And the question that we've been asking throughout this series is, what you doing with what you got? How are you doing, how am I doing with our time, with our talent, and with our resources, with our treasure? And so this morning, we're going to be talking from the last part of that, which is our treasure. God wants us to be generous towards the kingdom of God with our treasure. Now, let's just be real this morning. When we think about finances, we think about money, we think about wealth and things like that, it creates a natural tension for all of us. And the truth is, there's not hardly very few topics that you can talk about that cause people to get real tight real quick. So this morning, I just want to tell you that everything we're going to talk about comes from a biblical perspective. In fact, listen to this, over 2,300 verses in the Bible are over the topic of money, wealth, and possessions. In fact, Jesus talked more about money than he did any other topic. I got to thinking about that this morning because if Jesus talks so much about it and the Bible talks so much about it, why do we have sometimes a hard time talking about it? I mean, there's lots of different reasons why. But the truth is, let me just give you reasons why probably Jesus talked about it so much and the Bible talked about it so much. 
Because when it comes to money, we can spend too much of it. We can be stingy with it. We can fall in love with it. We can obsess over it. We can devote our lives to it. We can believe falsely that it's going to provide us happiness. We can make it the center of our life. We can gamble it away. We can charge more than we actually have, and so on. Money is obviously a resource, but it can be the spiritual death of us if we aren't careful. So just to lay the framework today before we go any farther, the reason why the Bible talks about it so much, Jesus talked about it so much, and why it's so important for you not to just say, oh great, a money message, well, you know, let's, what time's a football game starting today? The reason why we need to stay engaged is because there's a temptation there for it to lead down the wrong road. Not just one temptation, all kinds of temptations that can lead to spiritual death. And the truth is, Jesus calls us to be generous with our treasure towards the kingdom of God. And the, what we're going to talk about specifically is that God wants to, to use our resources to build his kingdom through something called tithing. Tithing is something that where we give a percentage of what we have to build his kingdom. You know, when we think of tithing, I don't know what comes to your mind, but the roots of it aren't from some pastor or for someone who thought of it years ago. It comes from way back in scripture. In fact, I won't go through all of this this morning, but if you're looking for something to read on the side, in fact, I would challenge all of us, including myself, to read Genesis 14 and Genesis 28 um, after this message, maybe sometime this week, and learn about the roots of it. But clear back in the beginning of the, of the Bible, there was a tenth or a tithe that was given um, by Abraham and then later Jacob, not so much because they wanted to be blessed or because they were supposed to do it, but because they were grateful for what God was doing in their life and how he came through for them. And so if you read those stories, you'll understand what I'm talking about there. So let me just start with this this morning before everybody kind of checks out on me. The reason God wants us to use our treasure, to give our treasure to him is to build his kingdom. And the reason that we give is because we're grateful for what he's done through us and in us and understanding that what we have is his. Amen. So as we talk about this today, may it come from an attitude of gratitude. So this morning, the biblical roots of tithing are found in the hearts of people clear back in the beginning in Genesis who were simply grateful for the blessing of God. And that still rings true today. We are so grateful for what he's done for us, which leads to our first thought this morning. Um, tithing is an act of worship. I don't know about you, but if you were to ask a five-year-old what worship is, most of them are going to say worship is where you raise your hands in the air, maybe wave them like you just don't care, right? You just kind of wave them around and, you know, this is worship. Or if you go to a church where you don't raise your hands, you know, you stand there and you sing a song and that's worship. But the truth is, as you know, worship is more than just something we do on a Sunday morning in a church service. Worship is Monday through Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every part of every day. Worship is our attitude when we're in conflict. Worship is what we're like when things are stressful. Worship is what we do with our time, with our talents. And a part of worship is also our finances. 
So this morning, if you aren't a believer, if you're just checking things out today, you're trying to you know, wrestle with what you believe about this, then you can just continue to wrestle. You're off the hook, and, and you and God can talk through that. But this morning, if you're a believer, and you would say, hey, I believe Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and, and I'm committed to a church, whether it's Fitnaz or somewhere else, then, then we all need to know a part of worshiping the Lord with all that we have is our finances. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you with that, that tithing is an act of worship. In fact, I'm just going to go this far today, not because I say it, but because God's word would tell us this. If you're not giving your resources and a part of that, your tithe to, to the church, whether it's our church or, or if you're just watching online, and you attend another church. If you're not doing that, then you're really not fully worshiping God with all that you are, because a part of what you have is your giving. Listen to what this says. David writes in Psalms, the earth is the what, church? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Tithing is an act of worship. It's an expression of the heart that we trust God with our finances. And so this morning, maybe you're thinking, look, it's not a matter of me wanting to give generously towards God's kingdom. It's just the fact that I don't have enough money in my budget to give or I've missed, I've got a bunch of credit card debt. Well, if that's you this morning, Pastor Adam is going to come up here in just a little bit and give us some practical tools about how we can give and, and what that looks like. So hang on there. But you just need to know just from a baseline perspective Tithing begins as an act of worship and an act of obedience. Another thought this morning is, as I mentioned earlier, when we give our resources to the church, tithing, it helps us advance the kingdom of God, both locally and around the world. If you were here last week, I think it was last week, then you remember me talking about um, that our church, which is generous by nature, gave quite a bit of money to uh, a district superintendent in Africa who had 53 of 56 churches uh, shut down. Our church was able to help seven right now. It might, actually, it might even be more than that by now, but last week it was seven. Seven churches reopened because of the generosity of your offering, your willingness to give. Um, in fact, that was above your tithe. And this morning, I don't want to confuse anybody, but there's tithes and offerings. Offerings are above your 10% or above what you have chosen to give, to give towards the kingdom of God. And it all goes to bless his kingdom and to advance the kingdom of God. God funds the gospel in part through our tithes. And so this morning, that's important to understand. When you're investing, um, when you're giving your your what God's calling you to give to the kingdom of God, God's using it to build his kingdom. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians um, when it talks about how God uses our resources to advance the kingdom of God. Um, Paul writes in his second letter to Corinth, so two good things will result from the ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met or you know, if you contextualize that today, wherever your local church is, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. So let me just give you an example. When you give, all right, the needs of others are met, and the people that are receiving it can joyfully express their thanks to you 
No, it doesn't say that. To who, church? To God. To God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. And so this morning, that's important for us to understand today. So just real quick, real practical this morning as we get into this. When you give offering, and by the way, if you're listening today and you're new this morning, we don't talk about money all the time. In fact, we do a tithing message, which essentially is what this is. We do it once a year, every January in this series. So I just want you to know we're not always talking about this, but we want to cover it um, once a year because it's important. It helps new people understand, and it reminds all of us what our tithe goes to. You see, when you give um, to your local church, it equips the church for ministry. It funds the mission overseas. It supports pastoral staff. It obviously pays the bills, the electric bill and so on. But more importantly, it's the calling of every Christian. There's a lot there. And if you were to take one of our Next Steps classes, Connecting 101 and so on, you could learn a lot more about how that works, especially in our membership class. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. But I just want you to, to be aware of that this morning. Another thing is, is that Tithing isn't supposed to be something that we begrudgingly do. It's to be given cheerfully rather than reluctantly. In fact, let's say that together. Tithing is to be given cheerfully rather than reluctantly. So real quick, I don't know about you, but every year we give gifts to cousins and everybody for Christmas. And sometimes we give gifts to people. You know, I don't even know who they are hardly. My wife's like, well, we got to give a gift to my second cousin's aunt, sister's husband's dog. And so, you know, we need to spend $20 on each one of these people. And so I don't know about my wife. I'm not going to speak for her. But for me, it's kind of reluctantly like, okay, we got to do this. And then you give it to them and they don't even like it, right? That's not how giving our tithe or our time or our talents is supposed to be. We do it cheerfully. So this morning, you aren't supposed to give a certain amount because I've pressured you to or because someone else has pressured you to. It's something that you pray about with the Lord, and God helps you kind of land on where that is. And then it's not given reluctantly, but it's given how, church? It's given cheerfully. Listen to this scripture, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Let's read this together. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now, for those of you who are like, okay, give me some kind of a template. And Adam's going to talk a little bit about this in just a minute. We see in the Old Testament, a tenth was given, 10% of their income. But the reality is we're not necessarily stuck on a percentage as we are that we're just being generous with what God's calling us to be generous with. The other thing about tithing real quick is that I don't know if you know this or not, but tithing produces a double blessing. So we give we give tithes or we give a part of our resources, not so that we'll get a blessing. We give it out of gratitude. Remember, we talked about that earlier. We give it out of gratitude. But the byproduct of giving is a double blessing. Whether we like it or not, God gives us a double blessing. It blesses those that we are, we're giving it to, the advancing of the kingdom of God, but it also blesses us. Some of you may be familiar with this scripture. If not, Malachi 3.10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse 
so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. So we see right here, and Adam's going to come in just a second, but we see right here that when we give, God gives back. Now, when I say we give, God gives back, it may not be financially. It may just be in peace of mind. It may be financially. But we can never out-generous God, for lack of a better word. We can never out-give God. Amen? Kids that are watching right now, little kids, teenagers, adults, all of us, we can't outgive God. We are never going to beat God at generosity. So this morning, we need to know that. Now, one other thing before I wrap up my portion this morning. There is no, you see this last sentence here, put me to the test, God says. All throughout scripture, we understand that we are never called to test God, except for in one area, and that comes to finances. So this morning, um, I just want to challenge you with this before Adam comes up to do some practical stuff. If you have never given before, given a part of your resources before, and by the way, it really doesn't have anything to do with whether you have a lot or a little. It's called about being faithful and having faith. But if you've never doing that, I would encourage you to put God to the, to the test specifically in this area, to pray about giving. If you are giving and your goal is 10% and you're only giving like 6%, pray about giving 7% this year. But more than all of that, God wants us to be generous towards the kingdom of God with our treasure. And now I'm excited. Adam's going to come up and he's going to share a little bit about some practical information when it comes to how we can manage our, our tithe this morning. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. You know, when, when Kyle was talking about uh, how money can kind of overtake us and it can, uh, it, it can sort of become almost really an idol to us. Kind of, you didn't use those words, but I was thinking of a verse in the New Testament. It gets misquoted a lot, but the verse says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, sometimes people quote that as saying money is the root of all evil. Money's not good or bad. It's what we do with it and how we, you know, the place that we give it. And so that's not just a temptation for those who have a lot of it. You can be completely broke and allow money and the love of money and the pursuit of money uh, to take a place in your heart that it's not intended to take. And one of the best ways I know to, uh, to avoid that temptation is to recognize that it all belongs to God. See, when we start talking about tithing, a lot of times um, our, our minds go here. We think, okay, so 10% is God's. No, it's all God's, right? He's given us the ability to work. He's given us the ability uh, to make the money that we have. And so uh, it all belongs to him. And if we treat the 90% as if it's ours, or if we just don't use the 90% well, that's going to make it more difficult to be generous with the 10% or more. And so what I want to do is I'm just going to give us some really practical uh, things that we can put into practice today to help us use that 90% well so that we can be generous and be faithful with that 10%. Now, uh, a couple of disclaimers. First of all, if you're, if you're financially comfortable, please don't tune out. I know Kyle's already asked you, don't tune out. I'm asking you now. Maybe you're already, you've got a handle on your finances. You're good. Okay, you know somebody who isn't. 
And so maybe what I'm going to give today could just be sort of a, a refresher for you that you could use to help somebody else. So don't tune out, even if you're, if you're good financially. But then the second thing is, um, we've got a class coming up, and it uh, starts in about a week and a half. I'm going to kind of blow through some of these things. Um, and so you might be, you might, it might be, it might feel like you're drinking through a fire hose, okay? And if it does, it's okay. We've got a class coming up. Go ahead and take your, your phone out, take a picture of the screen so you've got the details. We've also got a, an event out on our church Facebook page with those details. And uh, that will start in about a week and a half. And we'll, you know, it's a seven-week class, so you'll get to spend more time on some of these things that I'm going to talk about. But uh, I've got four things for you today. The first thing is, uh, is, is budgeting. Budget. Now, some of you are going, oh, my word, you just cursed in church. No, I promise. Budget is not a six-letter curse word. It's a good word. It's a helpful word. And uh, it ju- all, all a budget involves is just keeping an eye on your income and your outgo. And so maybe you're, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, that, I'd like to do that, but I don't know how to get started. So let me real quickly tell you just how to get started on a budget. First of all, you need to project what your monthly uh, income is going to be for the for the month ahead, okay? So if you work in sales or commission or something like that and you don't know for sure, then try to at least come up with a range that you expect to make and then make your budget based on the low end of that range. But uh, but estimate what you're going to make in the next month, but then you're going to subtract 10%, right? Because we want to tithe and we're grateful to God and we want to be generous. And so we're going to build that tithe into our budget. There's this, there's this principle throughout Scripture. It's kind of captured in this verse in Proverbs 3.9. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. That first fruits, that's, a, um, that's this concept that basically means don't give God your leftovers. Give him your first and your best. When, uh, when Sarah and I were first married and, and we had nothing... Um, we, we, from the beginning, tithing was important to us, and we wanted to tithe from the very beginning. But there were a lot of Sundays where maybe we would, we would skip giving, but then we would make up that 10% over the course of the next two or three weeks. And so that's kind of how we were, were struggling along. And then we were talking with some friends of ours one time. They knew nothing about our financial situation or our giving habits. But they got to talking about how they had kind of been doing that. And God had convicted them that they were giving God their leftovers. They were paying all their other bills first and then seeing what they had left over, and that's what they would give out of. Well, then Sarah and I started feeling convicted by that. And from that point, we made the decision, okay, we're going to make it the first check that we write because God deserves our first fruits. And that's what it boils down to. It's not giving God your first and best out of some obligation. It's because he deserves it. He deserves nothing less than our first and our best. So when we're setting up this budget, we're going to project what our income is going to be for the next month, and we're going to, right from the top, we're going to subtract uh, 10%. So then you're going to look at your expenses for the last three to six months, and you're going to try to account for every penny that you can. Even if you have to have one giant miscellaneous category, you want to try to account for every penny that you can. Because what you're going to do with that, the reason you're going back three to six months, is you need to come up with an average. And that's your estimate of what your outgo is going to be for the next month. So then you have two numbers. You have your your income minus your tithe, and then you have your expected outgo. And hopefully, the income at least matches, if not exceeds, the outgo. And if it doesn't, then you basically have three choices, right? One, find ways to cut spending. Two, find ways to raise the income. Or three, most likely, probably some combination of both. But that's the idea of budgeting. Um, You want to make sure 
You want to do what you have to do to make sure that your income at least matches or exceeds your outgo. So that, in a, in a really small nutshell, is budgeting, and I promise that's not a curse word. Um, let, let me give you a couple thoughts, though, before we move on. A couple, in fact, if you don't remember anything else that I talk about this morning, remember these two things, two principles about budgeting. First of all, a good deal is only a good deal if you can afford the good deal, all right? And we all know some people, maybe it's you, uh, but we all know somebody who, man, they just struggle financially, but then they'll say, man, man I, I, there's a $1,200 iPhone and I got it for $300. Well, that's a good deal if you have $300. If you don't have the $300, that's a really bad deal. So a good deal is only a good deal if you can afford the good deal. If it breaks your, uh, if it breaks your, your budget or causes you to take on more debt, that's not a good deal. Second principle about budgeting, the most important budgeting skill is not math. Those of you who say, well, I'm terrible at math, that's okay. That's not the most important skill you need. It's the ability to tell yourself no. That's the single most important skill to have when it comes to budgeting, is the ability to tell yourself no, or at least to tell yourself, wait. Down the road, when I get things cleaned up here, then maybe I can afford that. But for now, I'm going to have to tell myself no. So if you don't remember anything else, remember those two principles about budgeting. Second thing that I want to talk to you about is what some people call the envelope system or maybe the pocket. Some people call it the pocket system. And, and basically, this is just a tool to help you stay on budget. There are lots of tools out there to help you do that. This is just one example of it. Um, and basically what it is is you, you pay cash for as much as possible. And then, you know, you have a category. For example, in my house, we have one of these, uh, one of these kind of little pocket folder things. If I can open it and show it to you without spilling things out but basically it's one of these uh, kind of pocket things and so you you come up with a category for each one one for groceries gas miscellaneous whatever and uh, each week or each paycheck you get out that much cash and you divide it up into those envelopes or those pockets and the idea is when one of those pockets runs out it runs out until the next week or the next paycheck and so that's just a way to kind of help you track what you're spending and, and to stay on point with that budget. Um, but then the third thing that I want to talk to you about is the emergency fund. Now, an emergency is not a new fishing rod or a new dress or a new iPhone. That is not an emergency. Uh, an emergency is one of those unexpected repairs or unexpected things that goes wrong. Uh, you just, you had no idea it was coming. All right, Murphy's Law. Doesn't Murphy's Law say something like if, if something bad uh, is going to happen, if something bad can happen, then it will, right? Murphy's Law. And I don't know about you, but it seems in, in my household, those things don't happen in ones. They happen in twos or threes, right? So like hypothetically, let's say a deer takes out the back quarter panel of your wife's car, and then your son breaks his nose playing basketball, and then you have some kind of plumbing issue at your house that occasionally stinks up your house. That's purely hypothetical. I don't know anything about those three things happening in a month. Um, but, uh, but sometimes things like that happen, right? They happen in twos and threes. And so you want to have some kind of emergency fund um, to help cover those things because Murphy's Law. And by the way, have you ever heard of Cole's Law? Do you know what Cole's Law is? It's basically cut up cabbage. All right, now you know when I tell a joke like that, I always say somebody is going to be at home tonight, they're going to be in bed, you're going to be almost asleep, and the light bulb's going to come on, and you're going to say, oh, 
I get it. Cole's Law, okay? All right, so that's your, your uh, corny pastor joke today, courtesy, by the way, of my son Colin. But uh, anyway, Murphy's Law, something bad will happen at will, and it's probably going to happen in twos or threes, and so... Uh, you want to have some kind of emergency fund set aside. A thousand is a good number to shoot for. You know, 800, 1200, 500 is pretty low. Uh, but you want to be able to account for two to three, say two to five hundred dollar repairs that you weren't expecting. And so, um, as fast as you can, you know, try to get that emergency fund. If you have to have a yard sale or you know, look around your house. If you have some things you don't need anymore that you could maybe sell. Um, you know, maybe as you get a handle on the budget, you find you've got some money leaking somewhere. Maybe you find that and you could, you could divert that to an emergency fund. Maybe get a, a second job just temporarily, just long enough to get that funded. Um, but have an emergency fund uh, because it's just a matter of time before something happens that's going to blow up your budget. So make an emergency fund a priority. And then finally, the last thing, this is my favorite one. I love this. I love this. Dave Ramsey calls this the debt snowball. There are other sources that might call it something else. But um, again, when Sarah and I first started out, our, our strategy for, for getting rid of debt was just kind of scatter shooting, right? If we had some left over, and that was always a big if, but if we did, we might pay a little bit extra on this, and then maybe a little bit extra on that, and then maybe a little bit extra on this. And then we found out about this debt snowball, and it completely changed things for us. And here's how this works real quickly. First of all, you're going to make a list of all of your debts, and there's a couple of ways to do that depending on who you talk to, which expert you talk to. Both of these make really good sense. They're both very logical. Um, option one would be to list your debts from the highest interest rate to the lowest. Option two would be to list your debts from the lowest balance to the highest, and I'm going to give you an example that's based on option two, okay? So here's how it works. I'm going to, I just have some numbers up here. Let's say you've got four debts. And these are the amounts that you owe. That's your remaining balance on each of them. And then here you have your minimum payments that's due uh, each month for each of them. And so the way the debt snowball works is on debts two, three, and four, you're going to pay the minimum amount, the minimum amount that, that they require of you. And you're going to focus all your efforts at first on getting this first one paid off. So again, if you have to sell something, maybe have a yard sale, maybe temporarily take out, you know, take a second job. One of the few good things to come from COVID, there are lots of, of uh, remote jobs that you can just do from home on the side. Uh, but find some, find some way to knock out that first debt as fast as you can. Because once you do that, now you think, oh, well, now I have an extra 75 bucks a month. Well, no, that's not what you do because we're going to do something different. We're going to add the 75 now to the debt to the second one so instead of paying a hundred a month now you've almost doubled that now you're paying 175 a month on this debt so you're going to get it paid off in almost half the time and by the way each time you get one off by by all means go celebrate just don't celebrate by taking on more debt all right don't celebrate paying a thousand dollars of credit card debt off by putting two thousand dollars on that credit card to go to the caribbean okay that's not, don't do that don't find a small way to celebrate the win, because that is a win. Find a small, inexpensive way to celebrate that win. But you go through here, okay, now you're paying $175 a month on debt, too. You get that paid off. Now you add the $175 to the $150. Now, you're, now you've more than doubled the debt or the amount that you're paying on the third one, and so on. And you go through until finally you're debt-free. And guess what? Now you can take that cruise 
And if you just wait a few months, you can pay cash and you don't have to take on more debt to do it because you got you use the debt snowball and you got rid of those debts. So I love that. I love that. That has been helpful, very helpful for us and uh, for a lot of people. Um, but before Kyle comes up to close us out, um, I want to put these four things back up here again. Because I know some of you are looking at this and you're thinking that looks completely overwhelming. I don't think I can do any of that. I have, I, have, I have nothing. I have no extra in my budget. I have nothing. I don't think I can do all of that. Could you just do the first one? Could you just focus on the first one? I mean, what, what is it? Every, every journey begins with the first step. That's cheesy, but it's true, right? So just take the first step. Could you just focus on the budgeting and looking at your, at your income and your outgo and getting a handle on that? And the second one, remember, that's really just a tool to help with the first one. So really, I've given you three principles, not four. So what if you just focus on the first one, just looking at the numbers and seeing how you can get those numbers to match up and then work your way down to the others. But start somewhere because anything that you do is going to be helpful. So let me leave you with this. Whatever financial tools you use, don't forget, it all belongs to God. It's all his, and he knows where you're at. He knows your situation. He's the God. The Bible says he owns the cattle of a thousand hills, which is kind of a poetic way of saying he owns everything. His resources are, limit, are limitless. And trust your finances to him. Trust him with it. And allow him to work through you to be generous with your finances. Man, that is some good, good, practical stuff today. In fact, maybe some of you want to watch back just Adam's part uh, again later, and I'd encourage all of us at some point to do that. It's a great reminder today. We're wrapping up our series this morning um, on being generous, and the reality is, is that the nature of God is generosity. He's so generous that he, he gave his time. He sent his son to this, to this, into this world and spent time here with us. The God of the universe spent time with us, loving us and teaching us what it means to follow him. He showed us what it is to, to use, his, use our time and to use our gifts. And he equipped others to use their gifts. And this morning, God has gifted you not only with time, but he's gifted you with, with talents to be used to build his kingdom. And whether we want to admit it or not, God's given us resources financially. And he wants us to use those resources to build the kingdom of God, to be generous towards him. Why are we called to be generous? Because God's nature is generous. And in Ephesians 5, we're to be imitators of Christ. So this morning as the band comes up, I just want to leave you with this thought today. The goal of our life, and what, as we read in Scripture, tells us that we are to, to, to put God, to worship God first above all else. We see it as the greatest commandment that Jesus quotes in the New Testament. We see it as the first three things that God talks about in the Ten Commandments. We're to honor God with all that we are. 
And so this morning, I would encourage all of us to honor God with our time. Can I just encourage you with this today? Because we're kind of like wrapping all this up today. As best we can, honor God with our time. Don't give God our leftover time. And can we not raise our children to give God whatever's left over? Could we prioritize that? Could we not just give our talents to the church or to God if we have the time for it, but that would we prioritize using what God's given us? And then also our finances, no, no matter how great they are or how messed up it is or how frustrated we are, if we just get, this is good, okay? If we just give it to Him and acknowledge that it's all His, as we seek Him, He'll reveal to us, God is not unclear. The Holy Spirit is not confusing. He'll reveal to us what it is we need to do. And so today, maybe there's a child here today that you were given money for Christmas or you were given birthday money. And maybe God's calling you to give a little bit of that to His kingdom. Maybe you're a college student and you don't have much money and, you, and because you don't have any money, you just justify not having to tithe. Can I tell you today, it's not about any specific church needing the money. It's about us worshiping and surrendering our lives to God. I just want to say that. But maybe you haven't been practicing giving because in your mind, you rationalize it because you don't have the money to do it. Can I tell you that God can do more with your 90% than you can do with your 100%. In fact, Scripture says, put me to the test. Try it. Maybe you're an adult and you're doing really well financially and you've just been kind of hogging it. And God's calling you today to pray about being generous. Maybe you're an adult, you're a single mom and you would love to do it, but you're just telling yourself, like, I can't afford it. Can I tell you, you can't afford not to worship with everything that you are today. And so this morning, as we sing a couple of songs not only am I encouraging all of us to unpack what we all talked about today, but maybe what we've, what we've unpacked the last three weeks. How are you using your time? How are you using your talents? How are you using your treasure? And simply saying, God, if there's anything in this area that you want to talk to me about, speak to me. Hey, let's stand this morning.